Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah, it's good to be back. Welcome into the last lap. What's up across New Orleans, the Gulf South, and uh, the world at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. Big show for you, but first, I really want to give a huge heartfelt thanks to Andrew Lopez and Amos Morale III for filling in last Wednesday and Thursday. Had uh, some medical stuff I was dealing with kind of last minute. Called them up. I was like, hey, guys, can I need some help. Would you mind hosting on the big stick tonight? And they, I didn't know this, but they had actually known each other since college, going back to LSU. A show was great. I got a chance to listen kind of when I was uh, laid up at home last week for the Saints game. They did a really fantastic job. I'm not just saying that. I'd probably say that anyways, but I'm telling you I'm not saying that. It was really good radio. I got a chance to listen to all six hours over the past few days that they did. It was great. Logan, you were in here. It was just kind of like uh, when the teacher's gone, you get a substitute teacher. You guys have a lot of fun and just kind of kick it up in here. Was that, was that the feeling? Yes. I know. I, I am such a, a demanding uh, you-know-what, I think. So there's no comment needed on that one, Logan. Uh, no comment needed. No comment needed there. I need to ask though, did you guys have trivia and who won on Thursday? I knew I knew Andrew was going to win. Andrew seems like the guy that knows an incredible amount of random things about different sports, and I feel like he would be a guy that I would not want to compete on on trivia. So, look, thanks Logan, thanks Andrew and Amos, and also thanks to Tim Zimmer who was helping out, kind of get them ready for the show. Tim also uh, booking our show most days still here on the last lap. So thanks to them, we're going to continue our Saints coverage like we do every single day as Saints training camp continues. Sound from Sean Payton, Taysom Hill. We'll also have Ricardo LeCompte of WWL-TV Channel 4 on the program. Our inside NFL training camp series continues. 32 teams in 32 days. Today, very fittingly, go out to Los Angeles, check out the Chargers with Gilbert Mangiano of the Orange County Register. That'll be in the second hour. And the Pelicans' schedule was released today. Jim Eichenhofer is going to hop in. He covers the Pels and NBA for Pelicans.com. And then Glenn Gilbo will talk a little LSU with us. In hour number three, speaking of LSU, if you just heard Cocho on Sports Talk or if you miss Cocho on Sports Talk live with Bobby Bear and Mike Dettelier, we will have that for you in full at about 10.32 tonight. So that's our show. Welcome on in. Got a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight. There's a reason we have this up here. How many sacks will Marcus Davenport have for the Saints? We got a bunch of options for you there. Zero to four, four to eight, eight to 12, 12 plus. If you got to take a guess right now, Marcus Davenport, second year pass rusher, first round pick last year, gave up an extra first round pick to move up and select him. It's got to be a big year for him. You would think. I've talked about it here on the program a lot. We're going to talk about it more, but you can cast your vote on our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com and the radio.com app. And I will say this to start off. And I want to do a little Marcus Davenport talk here because Bobby Bear and I, we had a long discussion about this off the air 
and then also on our Facebook Live video that we did today at camp. Where was Marcus Davenport last weekend on Friday night against the Minnesota Vikings? I understand it's just preseason. There's not a single person that's going to remember that preseason game and zero sacks, zero pressures from everybody on that Saints defensive line. I think we had one pressure. It came from Trey Hendrickson. One pressure that day. That's not going to get it done. I have had some people, and I look, we've, we've decided behind the scenes when I've talked to some people in the media, hey, don't mention me, they tell me. So I want to talk about this, but don't go on your show mentioning me. So I'm not. I'm not going to name names here. I told these people, hey, I want to have this conversation on the air. I won't use your name. There are at least three people that you know and you hear from and either you see or you read their stuff every single day that cover the Saints that are getting big time concerned about Marcus Davenport. That doesn't mean everybody is. I have people on this program every day who are not. People who work for the station, Zach Deuce, Christian Garrick, not concerned. At least that's what they've told me, not really concerned. But when you've got a chance as Marcus Davenport, who everybody has told us, everybody's told us the last two years, it's going to be a star, gifted physically, too many tools, too big, too fast, too strong, great head on his shoulder, good kid, wants to learn. He's going to be a star in this league. I remember last year sitting here in training camp, I did a show with Christian Garrick and Steve Geller, and we all kind of got into it. because. And look, I'm not trying to call those guys because they've been right probably way more times than I have about the Saints. And they could be right about Marcus Davenport. I might not be. But we got into it on the air last year because they were ready to anoint the guy kind of a Hall of Famer already. And I said, well, hold on. At that point, we hadn't even seen the guy play. I said, it's unfair the expectations you're putting on him. I think a handful of sacks in his first year would be fine. In fact, what did he have? Four and a half sacks. Take away a half a pinky, that's a handful of sacks. I thought his first year was fine. In fact, I thought his first year was better than I expected, considering he did that in the first half of the year before he was injured. He doesn't have that injury. He might have eight, nine sacks, and you're looking at a candidate for defensive rookie of the year. However, the injury did happen. Second half of the year, he was a non-factor. Into the playoffs, he was a non-factor. So far, this training camp and that one game, I'm sorry, he was a non-factor. Every time Traquan Smith drops a ball, every time Traquan Smith goes through a training camp practice and we don't call his game a name, every time Traquan Smith plays in a game and either doesn't have any catches or maybe it's one for not many yards, guess what we're hearing on the air? Guess the texts that we get, the emails, the tweets that we see. Traquan Smith's a bust. Traquan Smith not going to live up to the height. Traquan Smith not an effective number three receiver next to Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn. No, I think that's unfair, especially for a guy who's a third-round pick. As a receiver in the league, just like I was saying, four and a half, a handful of sacks from Mark Stabboard was fine in year one. I think what Traquan Smith did was fine in year one. Doesn't look like he's going to be a Michael Thomas type receiver, but I can certainly see a path for him to be a very effective NFL receiver. Brings me back to Marcus Davenport. Why do not we hold Marcus Davenport to the same standards we're holding all these other draft picks? Or maybe it's vice versa. Why are we holding all these other draft picks recently to incredibly high standards when we're not holding the first round pick that they traded up for to the same to those same standards? I'm not here on the air saying Marcus Davenport is going to be a bust. No way I'd call that. That would be foolish of me. That would be the hot takey of all hot takey. 
and I'm not – I don't think I'm hot-taking. I think I'm paid to give my opinion and have strong opinions. All I'm telling you here is what we're seeing so far in camp. We're seeing somebody who, man, again, all the physical tools, looks the part of a star pass rusher, but he's not playing the part of one yet. So where is he? Is he going to show up? I will tell you again, like I've told you the last three weeks, if he does not progress in a big way this year, and I think the actual sack numbers are a little overrated. I've said previously on the show around 10 sacks, but but look, I've thought about it more, and because actual sack numbers matter a lot less than pressure numbers, if his pressure number is right around the place where Cam Jordan was in year two, when Cam Jordan had eight and a half sacks, going back to the sacks number, I think that'll be okay. But we got to see it. We got to see improvement. And I just don't – I think some people are burying their heads so far in the sand because they, they, they've they called Marcus Davenport being a superstar in this league since day one that he was drafted that they're not ready to call out the things we're seeing at camp. And that is, well, he's not, not very many places to be found. And I'm not just talking about that game on Friday. I'm also talking about all these practices that we've seen, although it's kind of a little unfair to judge any alignment, offensive or defensive, in training camp practices. What do you think about this? I want to know. You getting concerned at all? You not concerned? You think this guy's and kid's going to be a star? Do you think it's a wait and see? You tell me. Phone lines are open for you now. 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. We'll take a break. Back with your calls. Plus, Taysom Hill spoke after practice today. Got to tell you, Taysom Hill sounded a lot like a veteran NFL quarterback. We'll have some sound from him. When we come back, I'm Seth Dunlap, the last lap, just getting started on WWL. Yeah, I mentioned the name Marcus Davenport and Saints fans' ears kind of prick up. Big opinions on Marcus Davenport and what he should do this year, year two in the NFL. People have big opinions and people have big expectations for Marcus Davenport. He's talked about it at least two times after practice this season at training camp that a lot of expectations from the media coming his way. Said he's been distracted by that, or at least he was in year one. Well, if you thought those expectations were something, wait till you see him this year. Back on the show, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. How many sacks will Marcus Davenport have this season? Cast your vote, WWL.com, radio.com app. To the phone lines we go, Fern in Algiers. You're leading us off tonight, Fern. What's up? What's going on, Seth? How you feeling, man? I'm glad to hear that you, uh, you're doing better. Hey, appreciate it, Fern, and I am. Thanks so much. Hey, Seth, I, I got I to gotta call you on something, man. I feel do like it, do you're it. a fair guy. I feel like I feel like you you call an ace an ace and a spade a spade, but sometimes I feel like you burn the candle from both ends. Okay. And the reason I say that, and, and look, I can understand it because look, if I was the host of the show, you gotta ask questions, right? You gotta get the vibe mm-hmm. of the of, of 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 the of the public and where things stand. But it's okay for you to stamp for you to put your stamp down and say exactly how you feel. And the reason I say that because it's like, like you know, sometimes you, you made the comment about Davenport that, you know, the guy said he looks apart and, and, and he's supposed to be this and he's supposed to be that. Well, at the end of the day, when you look at what he did, just truly, because I feel like people, a lot of numbers don't, when you look at what he did and you take into consideration the injury that he had, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy had a, the guy had a, the guy had, the guy had, 
had an average. He, he, had, he had a season that was on par based upon what he's capable of. Sure, actually, Fern, Fern, I actually think he had a better season. No, I'm going to let you finish, but I just want to jump in because the first segment, remember, I said he had a better year than I thought he'd have in year one. So I don't I don't really have a problem with year one, Marcus Davenport. Okay, but on a, on the other side of it, it's like said, the thing that I really enjoyed last week about the guys, when they gave me their opinion, and look, maybe, maybe they're not as seasoned as you and they, they, they can't play both sides of the fence as, as well as you can. But those guys, it's kind of like they, they, they played their cards. They laid them out there and they said, hey, this is what it is. This is my opinion of it. And he left it at that. I just I just feel like sometimes, Seth, when I listen to you and, look, hey, you run your show the way you want to run your show, you're entitled to it. It's your opinion. But, man, like, if you're going to put your stamp of approval, disliking or liking it, just put your stamp of approval. No, I get it. Okay, like, are you, you – know, uh, but, but here we go, Fern. Are you commenting on my show or Marcus Davenport? Because I'm waiting for you to tell me why I'm wrong about Marcus Davenport. It, it, well, you won't get why you're wrong about it because it's just your opinion. So your opinion isn't wrong. It's just your no, opinion. No, look, Fern, I'm but giving you. I just get. I'm giving uh, you two and a half minutes and going on it, and I appreciate it, Fern. But you're commenting on my show, which is fine. I'm asking Marcus Davenport. You said I'm wrong, and I, I, I would like you to tell me where I'm wrong because I'm fine. My ears are wide open. I'm literally giving you the floor to tell me. Okay, maybe give me something to think about here. Tell me about Davenport, Fern, because I said year one he was bad. I said that last segment. I'll say it again. Year one was fine. What I'm seeing in training camp in the game this year. I'm just telling you, if we're holding Traquan Smith to those standards and other second- and first-year players to those standards, I don't understand why we're not saying, hey, Marcus Davenport, we're not seeing anything from him, which would be the truth from, from us. Well, 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 okay. So what I, what, I, what I truly love just about what you just said is that when it comes down to judging somebody, you judge it based upon a full body of work. And, and I'm sorry, Seth, but if you consider, you consider training camp, and one preseason game, preseason game, a full body of work. I guess you all are. No, and look, and that's fair, and that's why I said, and look, we're talking on August twelfth, twenty nineteen. So every little thing is magnified to absurd levels on this show, on other shows, on TV, in newspapers, on social media. That is the absurd business that I work in. So you were right. And that's why I was very self-reflective for in, in the first segment. This is this will be podcasted. Just go back, and I understand you were on the phone with Logan, so you might have missed some of it. But that's why I said nobody is going to care about that game. Not a single person is going to care about that game once camp is gone. Nobody's going to remember that, hey, Marcus Davenport didn't have a sack on, what, August 9th in the preseason game or no pressures in 19 snaps. I understand that. But what I am telling you is what we are seeing hasn't stood out really at camp, did not stand out in that game, was a non-factor late in the season. In my opinion, those are all fair things to say. And you can also say, man, like I say, has all the tools, physical tools, seems like a very bright, nice kid guy. I don't have any problem with Marcus Davenport at all. In fact... I think he's going to have a very similar second year to what Cam Jordan had. About eight sacks, be a factor. So I think we're we're on the same page here. But I don't I didn't really understand. I don't know. I guess I, I maybe you're just saying that I shouldn't be talking about this right now because it's preseason. But I got to talk about something. But I do appreciate the call and thanks for the well wishes, Fern. I'll call anytime. Let's go to Mike in Metairie. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm glad to hear you back. Hey, thanks, Mike. I agree with you regarding Davenport. Uh, from day one, I watched 
this film from college, stronger, faster, better than everybody on the field every game. He had to step it up. He got drafted, okay? In my opinion, year two, watching him at training camp a few times, watching the game the other night, he is very inconsistent. He seems like he plays when he wants to play. He comes off the ball quick at some times, sometimes very slow, and he looks lost a lot. Now, if you really analyze him, which a lot of people, you know, they're not going to do that this early in the season, you'll agree with what I'm saying. I've been to training camp four times. I watch him specifically because mm-hmm. he does pass the beauty. He does pass the beauty contest. There's no doubt about that. Yep. But I've, I've learned my lesson with, you know, these guys that, that, that look like the thoroughbred. So all the way from high school to the pros, sometimes that, that doesn't mean anything. Right. And that's but, where, uh, I, and Mike, and that's where, that's a great point about learning your lesson. I've learned my own lessons from covering camps, exhibitions for what, 19 years, 18 years professionally, going on 19 years. So I disregard hype very quickly now. That's my point. I also, look, in Davenport's defense here, I don't think that he has a slow motor or only plays when he wants to play. Now, I haven't seen that. You may have, in my opinion, at least when I've watched him, I haven't seen that. And in fact, the, the, the slow first step, kind of the false step that he had last year, he was pretty open and honest last year, and so were the coaches, that this is something you needed to work on. I've actually seen that improve throughout last season and then also into this season. It's still not there all the time. Like you said, sometimes it's a little slow off the ball, but that was something you really had to work on to become a good pass rusher in this league. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Chris. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, Chris. I'm just uh, yeah, hey, hey, just on the air, man. I what's guess up? This is, my, this, this is my first time talking to you, dude. You know, um, I'm say welcome, welcome to you back. I don't know what happened, but Anyway, um, I, I wanted to get my impressions on last week's game. Mm-hmm. And it was some highs and some there was some lows. Okay. And uh, I know it's preseason, but, uh, you know, what's really concerning me, if, if, if the last preseason game, if these, 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 these guys, I don't understand, okay, you had Cam Jordan that was out. You know, what's their excuse for um, Pat P. Rob? He's been with the Saints. How long? Come on, and, and uh, uh, Arizona. I mean, there was no pressure, and it, it makes it makes a bad taste in your, a really mad a mad taste or bad taste in your mouth when you see these guys. And I'm tired of hearing excuses. You know, it's only preseason. Yeah, yeah well, sure. No, and it like, is. Yeah, you sure. Don't, you, don't, you don't play like that in preseason. Yeah, we're up against know? a hard. We're up against a hard break, Chris. But in Alex Anzalone's defense, he only played eight snaps. Cam Jordan, some of the other veterans, not going to play at this stage of their career. But you're right. It was. It was ugly. I mean, we can say it was ugly. We can also say, hey, it's preseason game one. Might not matter that much. Man, the thing that I live for doing this job. This goes back to Fern, our last caller. I want callers to call and challenge me. There's nothing that I enjoy more, not just on the show, but in life, in having vigorous discussions with strong opinions on both sides. Sports, politics, life, whatever it is. So, yeah, Fern, call back anytime. You got to want to disagree with me. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong. I love it. 
I love it. And I am fully aware that most of the fan base and most people in the media have a very different take and outlook on Marcus Davenport right now. Again, I don't think he's going to be a bust. That would be foolish of me to say that. I mean, that would be, I'll just say, that would be idiotic of me or anybody else to call Marcus Davenport a bust or anybody a bust at this point two years into their career. Especially him, though. I'm not saying that. I liked his first year. His first year was better than I thought it would be because I said handful of sacks. We got that handful of sacks in the first half of the year, and then he was injured. It's not like a better year than uh, to me than what I kind of predicted, but we're just telling you. Hasn't really shown up at camp practice and certainly in that game in 19 snaps. That's all I'm saying. And is it time to get a little worried? Maybe. I know some people, hey, look, I, I promised them I would not bring up their names. We had long discussions about this over the last two days there's multiple people that you again you hear from you read you watch that also are thinking the exact same thing let's go one more call here before we get to the ricardo lecomte greg in gulfport welcome to the show greg hey uh seth i always enjoy listening to you when i'm down here in uh, new orleans i appreciate it greg uh seth is it just maybe because we hold uh davenport to the standard one the way the Saints have drafted the last couple of years and getting guys, getting better production with the guys that are six-round picks like Kamara and Bell and Michael Thomas, that the, the number one pick, maybe, you know, like you're holding him to a little higher standard. I mean, I look at Lattimore. He played better his first year than his second year. I don't know hear about people talking about maybe that he needs to play better uh, especially facing what the Saints are facing that first part of the year with those receivers and those quarterbacks, which you need Davenport to pressure. Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. uh, and what, uh, Jameis Winston. you think it may be just because of the, the standard that the Saints uh, fans have seen how we draft the last couple of years and have gotten a lot of yes. production? That, that, Greg, that, that, that basically what you're Yeah, and I think, Greg, that's a great point. Because in my mind, and this is what I've said all along, I, I do not want to anoint anybody, a Pro Bowl uh, player, an All-Pro player, a future Hall of Famer, until they've at least played some. I guess, I guess if you listen to the show long enough, a lot of what I do is a little expectation management, perhaps. Like I've talked about Joe Burrow when I've talked about LSU. I think Joe Burrow is a fine quarterback. I think people expecting him to go out and win a Heisman this year, and there are plenty of people like that here locally, are either not paying attention or just have you know purple and gold colored glasses on and aren't willing to actually see the truth. I think Davenport's going to be a, a fine NFL player. I'm just saying I think he's got to be more than just an okay or fine NFL player this year if the Saints want to win the Super Bowl. I just do. I think he's got to provide a lot of pressure opposite of Cam Jordan. I think that is huge. It's good points, Greg. Thanks for calling. Let's bring in Ricardo LeCompte now, sports anchor for WWL-TV Channel 4. Talk a little Saints and Saints camp with us at our LeCompte TV on Twitter. Ricardo, what's going on, man? Seth, nothing much. How are you? Look, I'm good. I love uh, debatey sports talk, differing opinions on, on sports talk. We're having that here the first half hour. Marcus Davenport, I'll open up with this since that's what we covered the first half hour. 19 snaps, no pressures, no sacks, hasn't made a splash in training camp. I say, look, nobody's going to remember this in the regular season if he you know, if he comes out and, uh, and performs and, and has improvement over his first year. But are you concerned at all, Ricardo, that we're not seeing really anything from him in camp so far? Uh, there could be a little bit of concern just because you're, you're expecting him to kind of make that progress from year one to year two. I personally don't want to hit a panic button yet since – 
We haven't seen him in his full potential. We haven't seen him healthy for a full season. We haven't seen him, you know, just just going through the, the nuances of knowing the system A and then performing in the regular season consistently through 16 games. I'm not really worried as of yet. I know a lot of people will be worried because you, this is a guy that you traded up for in the draft to go after. This is a guy you targeted thinking he's going to be that next elite pass rusher opposite Cam Jordan that you wanted on your defense. So the expectations on him that are laid on him are are, are, are maybe a little bit unfair, but at the same token, if you're going to put if you're going to put that much investment, if you're going to you know spend a draft to go up and get him, then you kind of want to see production pretty much right away. I would not panic yet until we get to the season and 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 a if he can't stay healthy, that could be a problem, and b if he doesn't make any progress through the regular season in these games, then you could start worrying. But as of now, I I would. I wouldn't be too concerned that he hasn't made that splash in training camp yet. Um, let's see what happens when we get to the regular season. What about the defense in general, Ricardo? I, I I have a hard time taking too much out of that first preseason game since a lot of the vets did not go. But but does that concern you at all, what we saw against the Vikings on Friday? I, I think the, the one area of con- concern I would have if you wanted to pick an area of concern for a preseason game would be that, that that the problems up front in that defensive line. And it's more or less just looking ahead, projecting toward the regular season in this regard of going, all right, well, Cam Jordan didn't play, so you didn't have that pass rush. You had one quarterback pressure, no sacks. So you're wondering, okay, can Marcus Davenport, could Trey Hendrickson be that guy opposite Cam Jordan to provide a pass rush? Uh, because you know Cam Jordan is going to face a lot of double teams in the regular season. Then you have that the, the interior of that D line, where you know you're not going to have Sheldon Rankings for the first, at least for the first half of the regular season. So you're going to need guys like David Onyemata, the, the free agents of Malcolm Brown and uh, uh, Mario Edwards Jr. to possibly come in there and, and provide at least some sort of production in that interior of the line of, in terms of run stopping, in terms of getting pressure at the quarterback from those D tackles. That's what I, I I worry about if they can stop the run consistently, if they can get quarterback pressure, because we didn't see that much against the first unit of the Vikings and pretty much to the rest of the game. So there was one area where you go, okay, this may be an area of concern would be the D line. But again, as you're saying, it's the preseason, so I wouldn't take too much stock in it because you're rotating so many different guys. You're trying to get a bunch of guys playing there, so and you're sitting a lot of other guys. So it, it, you can't really you can't really pinpoint like this is what the defense is going to produce when you get to the regular season because of this preseason but those are realistic concerns in in terms of that defensive line moving into the regular season yeah it's great points ricardo on the other side of the football i thought we saw some things that were pretty promising specifically quarterback play from teddy bridgewater 14 and 19 moving the ball kind of at will had a touchdown pass 7.1 yards per attempt i really liked what he did I, I, I like what he did as well, and and the and my the, my big takeaway, what I was most impressed with Teddy Bridgewater was actually how he handled that two minute drill at the end of the first half, bringing the, uh, uh, bringing that team downfield and being able to score and finally getting into the end zone. He was able to kind of handle that, and it seemed like he was able to thrive in that kind of situation where he, you know he he had a command, he knew where he was going with the ball. And it seems like that's the best Teddy Bridgewater. When he knows where he's going with it, he can make the, he can make the throw. Um, it's kind of when he's holding onto the ball that you kind of see like, all right, you know, what can he do? Because those two, the, the four sacks he had that's on him, two of those, of course, were negated by penalty. But the other two sacks, 
he was holding on to the ball a little too long, trying to make a play, trying to have something open up, which, you know, that could be a problem down, you know, down the road if he's actually ever starting. But in, in terms of knowing where to go with the ball being accurate, he is, he is perfect for this system. And the biggest, the biggest thing I like in his post game, he made this comment where he was saying that when he came in and was learning this offense and watching a guy like Drew Brees run this offense, the one thing that he said he caught himself doing was trying to be exactly like Drew Brees. And that would be a, nor- a normal human reaction to see somebody who's been so great at the position, somebody who is an expert at running this offense. You find yourself trying to be just like him. And he had to kind of take a step back and go, you know what? I'm not Drew Brees. I'm Teddy Bridgewater. There are certain skill sets I can do better than Drew Brees that I can, you know, I can put into this offense in running it. And, and when he started doing that, he says he, he kind of found the comfort in, in how he's running this offense. So I thought that was the biggest takeaway because I don't think any of us really thought of it that way in terms of, yeah, you know what? If I was in there trying to run the quarterback position, I wouldn't do it exactly like Drew Brees has done it because you see the success he's had in that. And when you kind of realize and go, hey, you know what? I was successful in this league. I was a pro bowler. I led a team to a playoff. I know, I know what I'm doing. I just need to load the system first and implement my skill set into that. That's where you're going to kind of see the growth of Teddy Bridgewater, of him, cunning, him coming into his own in this offense. And it is very promising uh, seeing that, that you go, you know what? We have a great insurance policy behind Drew Brees in case something happens in number nine. Yeah, great stuff here from Ricardo LeCompte, sports anchor for WWL TV Channel 4, joining us on the last lab. What else stood out for you, uh, to you from that game, maybe from camp the last couple of days, Ricardo? Well, I'll go to the game and, and, and kind of a little bit in camp. And, we, and we've all been seeing the return game uh, for the Saints. And we know that in the last couple of years, there's just been a lack of production in the kick return and the punt return. So they brought in Marcus Sherrills in the offseason for Minnesota to maybe provide uh, a veteran to, to return kicks and return punts there. In that first preseason game, we didn't see Marcus Sherrills play, but we did see Deontay Harris uh, return kicks. And he provided – this spark, this explosion, this this speed, this elusiveness that we hadn't seen in the return game that potentially the Saints could possibly add. And when you kind of dive into Deontay Harris's story a little bit, you see that he is a uh, Division II rookie from Assumption College. And this guy is actually the NCAA all-leader uh, in all divisions in combined kick and punt return touchdowns. He had 14 of those combined. So this guy knows how to find the end zone. This guy knows. This guy is a specialist in the kick and return game. And we saw him kind of show those flashes in this first preseason game because we've seen in the in training camp we've seen Marcus Trails take those reps. We've seen him also kind of field as well. And we also saw Cyril Grayson Jr. doing that. I'm curious to see if Deontay Harris gets more reps as we kind of get into these next few preseason games. Obviously, we'll see Marcus Sherrills, but. Deontay Harris is kind of an interesting kind of prospect just in terms of being a possible guy to just give some explosion to that kick and punt return game that we haven't seen in the Saints in the last couple of years. Uh, Wide receiver, before we let you go, Ricardo, it was fascinating because little Jordan Humphrey, who has not stood out at camp at all, he stands out in a big way during the game. And some of those guys we've been talking about so much, Manuel Butler, others, well, kind of, you know, didn't play or they're non-factors in that game. How do you handicap this race for the other spots at wide receiver, kind of behind Ginn, Traquan, and, and Michael Thomas? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of one of those, you know, it's it, it's there for the taking. We're just waiting for one of those wide receivers to kind of 
sees that number two, that number three spot behind Michael Thomas. Remember, Keith Kerfoot didn't even play, and he's been out of camp for a few days. And that's one of those guys where I'm thinking, you know what he could make? He's a smart guy. He's a big guy. He's one of those guys that can make that next step uh, going into his second season. Uh, Emmanuel Butler is still one of those guys that I just want to see what he does in a regular season game. He returned to camp on Sunday uh, to camp practice uh, after being out for like the last week with an injury. And he was back to making those plays that he was making at the beginning of training camp. I want to see what he does against uh, this competition because he's a guy that also kind of fits that mold of a big receiver, 6'4", 6'5", a speed possession receiver, uh, kind of in that, that small school kind of mold that I've mentioned before, similar to Marcus Colston, where he's, I'm not saying he's Marcus Colston, but he's kind of got the path of being, the potentially could be that way if, if, if he develops that way. Um, and, 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 and Timmy Cobbs is another guy that I'm like, all right, well, these are these, these type of guys that can kind of step in and, and, and maybe make that next step. I want to see Traquan kind of step up and, and, and be that second receiver as well. I think he's got a tremendous skill set, and there's a reason why he was drafted in the third round um, that you kind of get those, you can get that production from him. I think as of now, we're still waiting again for somebody to just step up and seize that second and third wide receiver spot and, and kind of give this offense another another weapon to just alleviate Michael Thomas from getting all these double teams he's going to see in the, in the regular season. Uh, I think it's going to be up into through these preseason games and maybe a couple of games in the regular season before we can kind of define who's going to be that second go-to receiver for, for this team. He's Ricardo LaCops. You can find him almost every day, along with Andrew Doak, Doug Mouton, part of the WWL-TV Channel 4 sports team. They'll be on tonight, 10 o'clock hour, with your latest Saints training camp update. Ricardo, I always appreciate the time, man. Seth, love it. We'll see you next time. All right. See you then. Ricardo uh, Ricardo Lecomte, at TV on Twitter. Lots of phone calls on the Saints defense. Marcus Davenport, Alex Anzalone that we got to get to. Plus, I want to talk a little Taysom Hill as he spoke with the media after today's practice. And, yeah, kind of sounded like a savvy veteran NFL quarterback. Good stuff from Taysom coming up. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap. Quick break. We're back on WWL. A couple of texts here. One from the 985. Hey, Seth, truth. Davenport has not impressed. How about Sheldon Rankins? What's his status? Last we heard, Sheldon is ahead of schedule on his recovery from the ACL injury, but ahead of schedule probably still means return week eight. He'll be able to practice week six if he's on that IR with an early designation to return, which is kind of what most people expect him to be. Here is a text from the 985. Let's talk about Eli Apple. I hope people don't hate on the Thielen play that led to a TD. I know we have Super Bowl expectations, but people forget how bad our CB play has been. Well, I'll stop you there. I don't think our cornerback play, the Saints cornerback play, has been bad. Not since Lattimore got there. I didn't think Eli Apple was bad last year. He was learning the system. I don't think – I think they were a little thin behind them with all the injuries, but I don't know if I'd objectively call the cornerback play bad. I'm not willing to go there yet. Taysom Hill played in this last week's game, 8 of 14 – had a touchdown, that really weird interception. They got tipped. It was intended. A really nice pass to Dan Arnold. Not Taysom's fault at all. It was Dan Arnold's fault. You probably know the play that I'm talking about. It happened in the second half. I actually had a chance to ask Taysom Hill about that play, 
And it's interesting. Taysom Hill sounded like a veteran quarterback who'd been in the league 10 years. This is how he answered that question. Yeah, deflect, put the blame or focus on yourself and let those guys know, your receivers know, you still have their back. It's pretty good stuff. Veteran stuff there from Taysom Hill, who also told us, He's not even worried about the offense right now. He's actually pleased with how the offense played on Friday. Yeah, I thought the offense played pretty well, too. I thought they could have been better in the red zone. That Dan Arnold play wasn't good. The running game could have been better. But, again, I'm not worried about the results and the final score of a preseason game one or game one, like Taysom said. No way. Joey in Pearl River. We'll go to the phone lines. You're up, Joey. Hey, Joey. Joey's not there. We'll put him on hold. Nick on a cell phone. Nick, welcome into the show. Hey, buddy. Great to be on the uh, phone with you. I-, I got a mild disagreement with you. I think the defensive back play has not been particularly good. You can go back to the uh, Vikings loss, and then uh, which was absolutely horrendous, and I don't get it. Uh, to this day, I will never get uh, what he was diving at and how he was trying to do it on the last play of the game. And I will never get the scheme that Sean Payton had him in, uh, where you had no safety help on that side when a field goal would have won the game, and you've got to be able to prevent that completion, not just the touchdown. Uh, it was an insane setup. Then the first game of the year last year, we let a journeyman quarterback on a bad football team light us up like a video game. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was ridiculous. Then – I'm going to I'm going to say something that really really has stuck with me all year, and that is the uh, divisional playoff win over the Eagles. Okay, the Eagles were driving with two minutes to go, methodically going down the field, and Doug Peterson made a tremendous stupid mistake by trying to cram in a play in a hurry before the two minute warning. Why, when you're on the plus side of the opponent's field with two minutes to go in a one-score football game, you're in a, a you know, diarrhea rush hurry to, to move the ball down the field because what happens then is, had they scored a touchdown early enough, we get the ball back and we only need to get one point to beat. You know, we only have to catch up with one point. So my, my, my point is, is had Doug Peterson not made the horrendously stupid decision of trying to rush a play before the two-minute warning where the receiver turns the wrong way and we intercept the ball, uh, you know, even money, the Eagles go down the field. Yeah, and Nick, I'm sorry we got to go. We're up against a very hard break here, but I think those are all good points. I'll leave them without comment. Thanks for calling, Nick. We're back with more on the last lap. Yeah, maybe I have the black and gold colored glasses on after the last caller. Saints were 29th. In pass yards, giving up 27th pass yards per attempt. Look, I told you I'm willing to have my mind changed. Sorry, back after this. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 